Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world and we can help. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anya McGlynn. Hello. I'm really excited for today's episode. We both are because we are talking about monthly giving. And we know this holy grail, Cindy. Holy grail. It's amazing. Everyone, especially small organizations, love monthly giving. And for good reason. It's awesome. That's right. It's, you know, it's kind of like the equivalent of the set it and forget it. It's like the instant pot of the fundraising world. I love that. The instant pot of the fundraising world. (laughs) That is going to be our tweet for this episode. (laughs) It is true, though. I mean, monthly giving is so valuable. And Ashley Saith, our guest today, is going to break down the why, because there's some really good reasons why you should invest in this, but also the how, because we love to make it super practical. Yeah, that's right. I think, um, you know, I, I made this joke around um, set it and forget it. But of course, like, you know, you have to show your your monthly donors the same kind of love and attention. And in fact, you know, I'm sure that that, you know, when when Ashley talks about, um, you know, making sure that you keep your donors happy, it's it's the same strategy for monthly donors as it is for one time donors. Exactly. Yeah, even more so because these are people who are making space for you in their monthly budget, which is amazing. That's right. I, I personally am a monthly donor to a couple of organizations and, um, you know, I love getting those regular updates. Um, but most of all, I love just knowing that my gift is just happening automatically. And I know that it means so much to them because obviously sitting on the other side of the table as a fundraiser to have that security and that peace of mind about that gift is, uh, it's just, it's invaluable. Absolutely. So if you're thinking about monthly giving for your organization, this is a must listen. And to be honest, if you're not thinking about monthly giving for your organization, you should start today. That's it. This is your call to action. There you go. So here's our interview with Ashley. I promise there is so much actionable advice here. You are going to want to take notes. So grab a pen and get listening. Ashley Saith is a fundraiser and nonprofit leader with over 12 years of experience working in small and mid-sized nonprofits. She has extensive experience in nonprofit marketing and individual giving and is passionate about fundraising for social justice. Ashley is currently the manager of annual programs at Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital Foundation. She was formerly the director of development and partnerships at Interval House and is a graduate of the Humber Fundraising Management Program. Here's Ashley. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, We get asked all the time about fundraising, but specifically monthly giving. And I want to hear a little bit from you about why monthly giving is so great and why uh, small organizations in particular uh, should be thinking about this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, monthly giving is a really great way to kind of like build the bread and butter of your fundraising program for a lot of organizations. It's super cost effective to run. Um, it's less expensive to acquire monthly donors. It's mostly stewardship once they're on board. Um, and you know, they, they really are your, your bread and butter. You have reliable income coming in every month. So it's really, it's really helpful to let you plan for the future. lets you kind of have a base for fundraising to kind of kick off from. 
Yeah. And that is like, I feel like that is what every organization dreams of, right? Like not having Mm -hmm. to take up the mind space of worrying about money and knowing that you have a consistent base of supporters who are out there loving what you do. Yeah. It's almost, it's, it's, it feels a little bit like set it and forget it. There's still work that goes into it, but mm-hmm. once you've acquired a monthly donor, you're more likely to retain that person. Um, I was just reading some stats around it and uh, monthly donor retention is close to like 80% after wow. year one, which wow. in comparison, right? That's huge. Uh, which in comparison to um, like a new donor that you've just acquired, their retention rates fall around 23%. So much more loyal folks that you've got coming on board with you who are also then like great prospects down the road for planned giving, which is another, you know, component of your, your fundraising program that can help you bring in um, some unrestricted funds as well. Exactly. Um, I mean, 20, you said 23%. Yeah. For newly acquired And we see this all the time for organizations is it feels like their fundraising program is a revolving door. Someone comes in, they give once, and then you never hear from them again. Yep. Um, (laughs) And I think that this is such an important fundraising strategy. Also, the other big thing is that a lot of organizations I hear from feel like they don't know where to find donors. And when they talk about donors, they're thinking like $500, $1,000. And monthly giving is much more attainable for a lot of small organizations networks. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, monthly giving and, and small dollar giving is kind of like the great equalizer Mm -hmm. um, for within philanthropy. You get lots of larger donors, but you do um, having the grassroots supporting you is kind of what helps you build that momentum and helps you kind of create that wave of support. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, you, you want to look for those donors, basically everywhere. Um, but typically you're looking for your monthly donors, um, from people who are currently giving to you. So you want to take a look at your database and look at and see where, um, where people are making maybe two or more gifts every year, um, who aren't really your leadership donors because you don't want to end up downgrading anyone by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to look at people who are giving a couple gifts a year, uh, in a calendar year. You want to take a look at people who are giving primarily by credit card. Those folks are more inclined, um, to give you a monthly gift. Um, you also want to look at, um, sorry, I have some notes so I don't forget, mm-hmm. <laughs> at your uh, your new donors. Those folks, uh, if you ask them pretty quickly to become a monthly donor after their first gift, they're, they're likely to convert. Um, and then you may want to look at people who maybe skipped a year of giving. Uh, mm-hmm. So if they gave to you, for example, in 2017, they didn't give again in 2018, you might follow up with them in 2019 and say, hey, you know, Notice you didn't give last year, really easy way to do that and not forget, because you know you're super busy, is to consider a monthly gift. Um, so those are some really great places to start. Um, and then if you don't really have donors to begin with, you might, depending on the organization, you might look at who your clients are. Um, so for example, uh, I work for a hospital that has a swimming pool, a swim program that's mm-hmm. open to the public. So we would look at our swim program families and see if they would want to become monthly donors. So you just kind of want to get a little creative with who your audiences are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. especially I think, uh, again, going back to that expectation around, um, where your donors are coming from, if it's starting from family and friends and mm-hmm board members and their family and friends and networks. Like this is a much easier ask, but I also love that these donors are not walking away when someone 
that when that relationship walks away from the organization. So if a board member brings in a bunch of donors who are giving monthly and then they stop being on the board, you still have a connection to those donors. You're not relying on that board member to ask every year. For sure. It's, it's quite different from experiences with people running peer to peer programs where Mm -hmm. someone is fundraising uh, to do a run and getting all their friends and family to donate. When you get someone to sign on to monthly, the loyalty is there. Um, You're not having to chase after that second gift, which is likely not going to come because it's already, it's already set. Amazing. I want to unpack a little bit one thing you mentioned, because I love the all those sources that you recommend for looking at um, who you want to ask to join your monthly giving program. One that I think there's a lot of um, myths around is new recent donors. So often organizations, especially small ones, are concerned about asking too much. And you don't want to ask too soon either. But I feel like there's some myth around that. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how it works if you are asking uh, new donors to give monthly. Yeah, for sure. I'm all about asking, giving people as many opportunities to give as possible. Um, So letting them choose how they want to interact with you. Um, But it's really important if you're looking to your new donors to to upgrade them over monthly is to make sure that your onboarding process for those donors when they do come on is really solid. Mm -hmm. So you can't just like, Get, get their gift and then, you know, six weeks later be like, hey, give me money again. Um, you've got to kind of build a relationship with them in the middle of that. So if they come on board with a new with a gift and you've never heard of them before, give them a call, say thank you, um, send them uh, one of the things that I do, which is, is not super cost effective, but is really great for stewardship is we send out a welcome package to our brand new donors, um, which includes a letter signed by our CEO, as well as a little um, four page newsletter that has a couple of client stories, some interesting facts that they may not know about us, um, and some like, contact information for somebody at the organization in case they need, you know, anything. Basically, mm-hmm. so kind of a nice introductory for them. Um, if we have their email address, we also drop them into a welcome series um, online, which is a more affordable option if you can't do print. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's three to four emails that kind of gives them a warm up to who we are super gratitude filled um, and says, thank you so much. And then that kind of helps prime them and makes them feel appreciated so that when you are asking for the second gift, whether it's monthly or not, um, they aren't feeling like an ATM. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I just want to throw people back to the podcast we have with Jen Love, uh, where we talk about delighters and ways that you can show your donors love, especially at this um, giving level, um, and really make it special and leverage the um, personal nature of being in a small organization. So make sure you listen to that if you haven't yet. Um, But yeah, so so those are all the places we want to look for um, who to ask. But before we talk about who to ask, I do actually think it's more important to start with how to make sure your monthly giving program is sustainable before you start building it up. So what are the things that we need to do to keep these people giving on a regular basis? Um, One thing is to, even before you begin to kind of evaluate your readiness to implement a monthly giving program, Mm -hmm. um, because some organizations just dive right in and then you know, aren't able to kind of keep all the balls in the air. Um, So a couple of the primary things would be to first of, first of all, make sure your leadership buys into having a monthly giving program. Um, That's either your ED or your board, depending who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you also want to make sure that you have someone in charge of it. So it's somebody's responsibility to cultivate and steward those donors uh, and to do follow-ups and make sure all the systems are in place. It really should at least have, it needs to have a home with someone. Um, and in a small shop, if it's just you, that's perfect. <laughs> um, um, what does that follow-up look like? Or what are those sort of sort of safety checks, I'm going to call them, um, you know, if a credit card is expiring or mm-hmm. didn't go through, what are the, the basics that you need to have in place around your systems to make this work? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most important systems is your processing. So you have a static day that you're processing on, um, which makes it much easier. If you're a small shop, you want to just pick one day of the month and always process on that same day and have um, systems in place. You're not manually like plugging in numbers to a credit card machine. You actually <laughs> want to batch them um, and then upload them uh, as a group. Um, if you're, if you've got online software, and people are signing up online for monthly giving, that's just pretty much just taking care of, care of for you and you just import that information. Um, so those kinds of systems around actual processing, but making sure you have things in place so that if, you know, you can set up notifications to find out if a credit card is about to expire and send a note out to that donor saying, hey, do you want to give me an update? You can either call them, send them a letter. Uh, I do both. It just depends on, you know, if I don't, if I call the donor three times and don't hear, I'll send them a letter so they can just fill it in and mail it back. Cause that's sometimes simpler for people. Mm-hmm. Um, you also want to do the same for if a donation is declined, um, have some processes in place to make sure that you're following up with those donors and uh, either getting their updated credit card information or bank information or however it is that they're paying. Um, and at that point they may, may, sometimes offer to increase their giving. That's often my experience when we're updating credit cards. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you also kind of need to have a, a, a good understanding of um, the rules around payment processing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, if you're, if you've got um, monthly donors who are giving through their bank account, there's only a certain number of times that something can be declined before you have to stop transacting it. Um legally. So you want to make sure that there's that stuff's in place. Yeah. And that information is all findable on the, on websites like uh, Canadian payments association and uh, PCI compliance and things like that. Very cool. Yeah. So you have to have some systems. And of course I do want to recognize that, you know, even for organizations that don't have all of that, something like Canada helps does a lot of the work. Um, But of course the information isn't internal to your organization and you can't always follow up mm-hmm. in, in a proactive way like you can if you're doing it in-house. So there are definitely benefits to doing it in-house, but you have to understand in a way like what your systems will take and how to supplement that with other, with other options. Yeah. Sure. And, and when you're in a small shop too, you, you can always rely on volunteers to at least help with some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, they're, they're, they've been a big part of helping me maintain monthly giving programs and, you know, doing all the follow up and, you know, stuff and thank you letters for me and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in terms of, I'm so curious, a uh, couple questions. I want to know what your volunteers do, like specific examples of how you can leverage volunteers. Sure. Um, but I also want, the other question I hear our audience asking in my mind is, um, you know, how often, so for example, if a payment doesn't get processed or if a credit card is expiring, like how much time should they be spending on that? Um, I, I chase people down. <laughs> 
uh, because those those folks t- generally don't mean for their cards to expire. They don't mean for the payments not to go through. Um, mm-hmm. and, and often, in my experience, they will make up the months that they've missed. Um, so it, it really is lost revenue if you're not uh, going after it. But again, if somebody hasn't responded to your like third attempt to contact them, they're probably not going to respond. Yeah. Um, so I try to make the, the follow-ups as low effort as possible. And I've found that sometimes the phone calls is a bit tricky um, mm-hmm. and people are more quick to just fill out a form and mail it back. So that tends to be my preference is to just send them a note saying like, Hey, we, your credit card wasn't pro- didn't go through this month. Can you just fill out this thing with your updated information and we'll take care of it. And they're awesome. usually quick to do that. Yeah. Stop the podcast. Hey everyone. It's your host, Cindy Wagman and Anya McGlynn. Hi. We and- just need to interject for a second. <laughs> Really important information that we want to make sure you listen to and hear. This podcast is brought to you in partnership between us, The Good Partnership, and Charity Village. And we want to make sure you know that there is a wealth of information waiting for you at both of our websites. That's right. On Charity Village, you can find um, a really robust knowledge center as well as a fantastic job board, whether you're looking for short-term, long-term employment, or volunteer opportunities. So for that, you can visit charityvillage.com. And of course, on The Good Partnership, we have lots of resources specifically around fundraising. That's right. There are fundraising plans. There are fundraising strategy guides. uh, There are, of course, all the past episodes of this podcast. So if you're looking for uh, specific advice and and tools and tips on fundraising, check out thegoodpartnership.com. And especially if you don't know where to start, I love our brand new fundraising guide. It outlines all the different fundraising strategies there are out there and gives you some information to help you evaluate which ones are right for you. So for that, thegoodpartnership.com slash guide. Happy fundraising. On with the podcast. Tell me a little bit more about how you use volunteers in this process. Sure. Um, I've used volunteers to, for from the entire span from the systems to cultivation, stewardship, and um, So I've used volunteers to help with some of the follow-up. Um, my previous organization, we had a fairly large monthly donor pool. So doing the monthly follow-up with declines got to be a bit, uh, you know, a bit tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, we did implement a system where we would mail them um, forms to, to follow up with them. Uh, so those volunteers helped, you know, mail merge, stuff envelopes, send stuff out. Um, but we also used uh, volunteers and especially former clients or clients who were comfortable on the phone mm-hmm. um, to do the thank you calls. So we would do an initial welcome call, but every once a year or so we'd get a, a group of volunteers in to say thank you, just completely no, no, nothing else. Just thank you. Um, and where possible, we, I would try to use um, beneficiaries from the program because that can be a bit more meaningful for the donor to hear from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if yeah. it's doable for your organization, it's yeah. a great way. And also I love using staff for that. For sure. Um, it's a really nice opportunity for them to get involved with in fundraising without having to uh, be put in an uncomfortable situation yeah. for them. Yeah. And the, and the organization where I sit on the board, the board members, um, once a year we split up, they've got about 700 or so monthly donors and we just split up the calls and do thank yous yeah. um, at the end of the calendar year. So, Amazing. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned the thank you calls. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about stewardship because it feels like a program that you can just kind of like, as you said, set it or forget it. 
right? Like you can't, or at least you really shouldn't. <laughs> so what are, what does stewardship look like for a monthly giving program? Um, yeah, it's, it can be different based on where you are and what you have the capacity to do. Mm-hmm. Um, what I try to do is kind of plan out the calendar for the year and cause that, that way I don't forget to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then plan my touch points. So for example, in January I will do, I will get a couple of volunteers to do make thank you calls. Um, in March I might send a bunch of my monthly donors an article related to something that they're inter- that I know they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, we could invite, we invite them for tours quite often um, to come in for tours of the hospital where I'm currently at. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our monthly donors receive our annual report. Mm-hmm. So that's a really important key piece of stewardship for that group um, with a nice, you know, thank you note on top. Um, so it's basically about kind of planning out your year and what you have available to you uh, to use to share with them. Um, so take advantage of the resources that you do have. Like, let's say you've got a really great video about a program that somebody shot on their cell phone. Um, you can take that and flip it into just a link on an unlisted link on YouTube and share it with your monthly donor just as a way of saying thanks. Um, so super simple things like that. Um, one of the things we've done, I've done in the past is um, I worked at an organization that had an art program and kids often left art behind that they didn't take home with them. So we would kind of, repurpose that into um, thank you certificates and things like that for our monthly donors as well. I love that. Kind of work with, with where you are. Yeah. Amazing. And again, it goes back to like what makes sense with your organization and what your donors care about and what your, what your work is. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll, the thing is, as you build a monthly donor program, you'll get a sense of what your, your monthly donors are interested in where their hearts lie. May have, you may have a bunch of different programs, but you'll kind of get a sense of why they're in it. Um, and that'll give you a good idea of like what touch points you can plan throughout the year that would be meaningful to them. Um, and obviously you want to also, as much as you can, and as much as you have time for, build personal relationships with some of your monthly donors. Um, that way, you know, they're considering you throughout the year and they're, you, they, they feel top of mind for you. Amazing. And again, that's an area where small organizations can really stand out because that doesn't happen as much in the big shops. So exactly. Yeah. Um, All right. So now we understand the systems and processes needed in place to actually make this work for your organization. We kind of have a sense of who you should be asking for monthly donors. Let's talk about how Mm -hmm. you ask how you get people enrolled in your monthly giving program. For sure. Um, one of the things you might want to consider when you're starting a monthly giving program is kind of creating a, a group name. Uh, so branding that group um, so that they kind of have a sense of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, that social proof thing, um, getting people to feel like they're a part of a group and want to be part of that group. Um, mm-hmm. So it's one thing you may want to consider. Something that may not work for your organization. It may not feel right for you, but you can decide that obviously. Yeah. Um, And then as a kind of a baseline to help you as you build up your marketing, it's good that if you do have any existing monthly donors, um, getting a couple testimonials from them uh, so people can see that can see themselves reflected in the thing that they're, you're asking them to do, um, which is a really great kind of two great pieces to start with when you're thinking about how you're going to go forward and promote your program. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of like where you want to ask, it really, it depends on what you're currently doing. Um, so for example, if you've got 
if you're a small shop with a small direct mail program, you might want to consider having a monthly ask on the reverse side of your response device. Mm -hmm. There are some some folks who disagree with having that there, um, but I've found that most of the monthly donors I've acquired has been through the flip side of the response device and direct mail. Mm -hmm. um, people people like it; they sign up there. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you also would want to, if you've got online giving forms, make sure that monthly the monthly option exists there. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also test out whether pre-selecting monthly works for your organization. Um, in some cases that works, in some cases that turns people off, but it's worth mm -hmm. testing out to see if it works for you. And how would you test that? Um, I would build out two pages. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you're doing um, doing promotions for the campaign just test the two. So if you're, for example, doing most of your monthly acquisition on social, um, you just use the different links basically mm -hmm. and see how the response worked. All right. So reply mechanism, reply mechanisms, testing online, yep. um, whether it's default or not, but putting it online as an option. Yep. Let's, what are some other, I know you have a wealth of ideas. <laughs> Um, if you've got a if you've got a newsletter, it's a great place mm -hmm. to profile your monthly donors. Mm -hmm. um, give them a little love in your newsletter, which would then hopefully prompt a couple more folks to give. Mm -hmm. um, and then for things that are like lower, no cost, um, going digital. So if you've got an e-newsletter, making sure you've got a monthly ask in there occasionally, maybe not every single time. Mm -hmm. um, doing a couple standalone email appeals um, works as well. So you can do a standalone monthly call to action within. Your, the, your planned email communication. Mm -hmm. um, if you've got um, a welcome series for people who are signing up to your mailing list, for example, um, you may want to consider finishing off that welcome series with an ask for monthly giving. Some folks uh, respond quite well to that. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can, you know, that there are a lot of small organizations struggle with sort of those automated um responses but I mm -hmm. think that that is something if you're doing it a great place where you can just plug that in yeah and so many of the email marketing tools out there really are they're wonderful and you can automate so much and create workflows and yeah. if you click to this then go here um so there's lots of potential within uh, email marketing to yeah. use um to use that to promote monthly giving and, and other giving as well yeah yeah, yeah. um amazing uh mm -hmm. what are other sort of tricks or insights that you wish anyone who is embarking on this journey would know from the start, like things that you've learned over time or that other people have told you that really help mm. you go from good to great. Um, one thing I've learned um, when it comes to how you can use volunteers for monthly giving, mm -hmm. um, I've tried in the past having monthly, monthly, acquisition be done by volunteers on phone calls. Mm -hmm. um, so we recruited a couple of volunteers to solicit, like I grouped together a bunch of people that were good prospects for monthly giving and had volunteers execute a script and give them a call and ask them to give. Mm -hmm. That tends not to be as effective um, mm -hmm. as, as using an actual telemarketing firm. Um, so if you're trying to make the most of your time, it may not be something that you want to consider unless your volunteers are like sales folks. Um, mm -hmm. So it can't just be anyone that you're getting on the phone to do that. Um, just, like yeah. using the same script even? 
Yeah. Same script that I would use with a telemarketing agency. It really, it's really the training. And if you don't have, um, if you don't have volunteers who are, you know, folks who've done telephone fundraising before or telephone sales before, it's really challenging to kind of get them into that mindset. Yeah. So if you've got that, try it out. It may work. Um, But my experience with using volunteers to actually make the solicitation phone calls hasn't been, you know, the most effective. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about, because we didn't talk about um, phone solicitations and um, that is something most people do, I think, associate with the big organizations, but it doesn't have to be that way. And it's really effective, right? Like, can you talk about where, when it works really well and even how you go about thinking about doing that for the first time? So it works really well, I think, when you've got a good base of direct marketing in place and your donors are kind of used to that mm-hmm. that kind of ask. Um, if it's something, if you don't really have a, a, a regular communication schedule with your donors, um, get them receiving a phone call from, an, from someone asking for more money might not be welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be inclined to make sure that your your mail schedule, your newsletters, your e-communications is all kind of like solid and up and running before you start thinking about implementing a telemarketing program. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you do start thinking about it, you like in the past, I've just honestly reached out to agencies and grabbed quotes from them to see which one had the, you know, promised the best results kind of thing. Um, Yeah. So they, they, the agencies that are in Canada at least are, are really well versed and kind of can help walk you through um, what to look for and what, what to, uh, what data they'll need to give you a proper quote. I had a call with, um, with someone the other day who wanted some advice around, they had a donor who was willing to match donations. uh, And they were like, so overwhelmed by the idea. It was like an amazing large gift for the organization. She's like, how do I benefit? Like, how do I make this really benefit us? Mm -hmm. And when we started talking about, I suggested she use it to do a monthly giving campaign where they match uh, donor match first time uh, monthly giving donations for a year. And it was like a light bulb went off uh, <laughs> in her head. She's like, well, we've been thinking about monthly giving for so long, um, but I've never really felt like I could do anything about it. I said, well, this is a great incentive. Mm-hmm. Um, but what other ways can we kind of excite or incentivize donors to take that step to go from one-time donors to more loyal monthly givers? Mm-hmm. The matches are amazing. Like I've had really great experience using matching gifts um, mm-hmm. to incentivize both monthly donors and regular donors. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I would say to also consider like, again, what, what can your organization offer? So for example, um, you know, some organizations, when you sign up for a monthly gift, send you a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that your organization can do? Whether it's, you know, a tote bag with their name, your name print or your organization's name printed on it, um, or maybe a piece of art that one of the kids made or something along those lines. Um, so thinking about like a tangible item that you can use to incentivize, but again, that's a cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so another way that you can do that is to think about the tangible items at your organization that you can kind of, um, pitch. So if you are an organization that, for example, plants trees mm-hmm. in in urban communities, you can say a gift of $25 will plant one tree. So you, you'll plant 12 trees per year. So you can think about packaging some of your programs up 
like that to kind of incentivize donors and get them to see what their what their gift actually connects to. Um, that seems to work quite well, both within um, monthly giving as well as when you're developing like symbolic or even single gift programs. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the one thing we haven't talked that much about, but I kind of want to park it for another day is the digital component because we are going to be doing a session uh, on the podcast on Facebook uh, advertising. Oh, nice. Um, And I feel like that's really where we're going to be able to talk about how to leverage your online presence better. Mm -hmm. Um, But is there organic, like in your experience doing, so that will be the how to, but in terms of marketing for monthly new monthly donors or donor acquisition, uh, through social, is it paid or can you do some organic um, acquisition? I would say it's a mix. I okay. think having monthly a monthly ask is a good piece of content to have in your evergreen, you know, mm-hmm. social bank um, of something that you might pull out once once every month or two to throw it up on social and see where you go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking to, but again, social is, is you have a struggle because there's only a certain number of people who'll see that post. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really kind of have to pay these days for people to, to see what you're, what you're asking for. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a challenge for nonprofits to just break through all the noise. Um, but worth testing out in small amounts. You don't need a ton of money. Um, if you, if, if you've got an email list, and you want to target that email list for monthly giving, it doesn't really cost a bunch. You can put $25 towards it and run a quick test and see if it's actually something you want to pursue. Um, I wouldn't advise jumping right in whole hog and, and doing a, a digital campaign. It's, I would advise doing a couple smaller tests here and there throughout the year, learn um, how your audience responds to it, and then build out from there. Awesome. Yeah. And then to also consider that if you're doing paid social, you might want to supplement it with some organic posts and email. So it's kind of a wraparound campaign versus a standalone social campaign. Awesome. Yeah. I promise to all of you listeners that we will have a full episode on that because there's a lot uh, of mistakes that people make when they're doing their digital Mm -hmm. uh, advertising and we want to help you um, fix it. So that's coming this season. Um, excellent. Uh, Ashley, thank you. I feel like we just gave people like a step-by-step how-to on how to set up their monthly giving programs, which is amazing. All of you listeners, you have no more excuses. Um, and yeah, I really hope people just, just take away that you can get started and set some things up so that it, it, it is worth it. In the long term, this is your sustainability. So uh, give it a shot. Do you have any um, parting words for, for our listeners or resources that you think would be helpful to them? Uh, parting words, go forth and fundraise. <laughs> um, it, monthly giving can feel intimidating, but once you get into the groove, it's a great program because you have like such great long-term personal relationships with those donors. Yeah. Um, and it's a really rewarding program to run. I find. Awesome. Uh, as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening and thanks Ashley for being part of the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks. 
Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week. Oh,